Let's talk about achieving and maintaining a healthy weight. The basic principle should not come as any surprise to you. Okay? Each year in the U.S., more than 400,000 people die prematurely. Right now, about 65 or 66 percent of the U.S. population is overweight, and about 33 to 35 percent are obese. The primary reason is we eat too much and we don't exercise enough. There's no magic hormone, there's no pill, there's no virus, there's no bacteria that's contributed to that. Okay? Excess weight increases the risk of all of these chronic diseases. The good news about weight is you don't need to lose it all. Just losing 10 to 15 pounds dramatically improves your risk. It improves your glucose levels, improves your blood fat, improves your blood pressure, and a significant decrease in health risks. So just 10 to 15 pounds. It doesn't matter if you might need to lose 100 pounds. Only focus on 10 or 15 first. What's the best weight? Well, it's debatable. The, for young adults, it might be the weight at which you look and feel the best. For athletes, it might be the weight at which you perform your best. There are some athletes who need to be big, like the weightlifters, the shot putters. How much weight do you want to carry around if you're running 26 miles? For everyone, the range of weights for a given height that corresponds to the lowest rate of morbidity and mortality. That's the one I want to be. I want to be at the weight that gives me the lowest risk of disease and the lowest risk of death. So when we look at this graph and look at weight over time, BMI, do you know what BMI is? It's body mass index. That's a simple calculation looking at your height and weight. And we have charts. There's a chart in your book. At 25 here, this is where the risk significantly increases. Notice, though, that there's a slight increase from 22 to 25. We just ignore that. But it's possible that less than 22 might be the best BMI. We also look at anything less than 18.5 being underweight may be harmful to you as well. And that's true for men as well. Okay, so these are the universal standards that we use in, um, in the Americas principally. So we'd like to see less than 25 for normal, overweight at 25, obese at 30, and very obese at 40. And in corporate America, you can see direct costs that as individuals working in employers' uh, opportunities, as they have higher weight, obese and excess weight, it costs that company much more money than a normal weight person to maintain that employee in the workforce, to maintain that employee in the workforce. Yes, Vivian? Are there different recommendations for 
No. This is the same for men and women. Because it just looks at height and weight, it doesn't matter. And here's a scale. Here's a chart that you can look at. And there's an expanded chart in your book. Um, no, on the CD, there's an expanded chart in a resource file. But you can go online and get a fully expanded uh, chart for every, every pound and every inch. And you can go online and get a metric version as well. So those of you that from the islands that want a metric version or from the UK, uh, you can go online um, to probably your health websites and get a metric version. Or if you send me an email, I'll send you a metric version. So let's practice this for a bit. Who wants to be an example? OK. 66 inches. And your weight is what? 124, 125. That gives you a BMI about 20. Is that what that gadget did for you? I'm sorry. No, here's here. This, this gadget now. This is a body fat analyzer. This is probably the second most important health education tool that I use. The first one is what? That grip strength tester. Because we want to look at exercise a little bit differently than just heart and lungs. You can buy these. Uh, we have a few that we sell. You can buy these online. Um, we buy them in bulk, so we might often have a little better price, but you can check. And um, anybody want to be a guinea pig here? All right. You, you don't have to share this with the public, but I'm going to just go through and do it. So that's all right. She can do it. You can do it next. I need to know your height. And you just five, five and a half. OK, press set and your, your weight. 253. OK, and your, your age? Your age? Okay, you don't look 55. Okay, now I want you to hold that, just like, no, put your thumbs like that. And then you press start, and just hold it straight out. And then you can write down those numbers. This is percent body fat. And this is BMI. Okay. You can go ahead and do it. And you just answer the questions there at the bottom. And you can go up or down on the scale with these up or down values. Yeah, no, just say set. Okay, so those are, those are good tools to have. Uh, I found to be just as effective as the scales or underwater weighing. Underwater weighing is expensive, and you need a swimming pool, you need a cage, and sometimes claustrophobic. So um, BMI and life expectancy. In men who are age 30, that BMI of um, 24 or less has the highest 
life expectancy versus a BMI 45 has the lowest life expectancy. Same for women. So the lower the BMI, typically, the greater the life expectancy. Well, let's look at some of the diseases, diabetes. Um, prevalence of diabetes, if your normal weight is very low, overweight, you get a slight increase, but obese and very obese, you get a very significant increase in relative risk of developing diabetes. So if your mom or dad had diabetes, you're probably going to get diabetes as well, especially if you're overweight. Okay. Uh, blood pressure, same thing. Those that are heavier have a higher risk of blood pressure. Okay. Um, high cholesterol. Typically, those that are overweight have a higher cholesterol. You see how they're related? Now, I want you to understand, we are not picking on heavy people. Okay? God does not love skinny people more than heavy people. I want to make that perfectly clear. So, um, if you are in these categories, though, your relative risk of these conditions are higher. Arthritis. Just because we're carrying extra weight around, we can wear out the, the joints, the ligaments, the tendons. Generally speaking, those that say they're in fair or poor health are typically more in the overweight and obese category. That question alone is worth lots of money to corporations. Those individuals who answer that question, I have excellent health, typically cost less in health care expenditures versus those individuals who say fair or poor. And we have found it's difficult for people to lie. And this has been shown to be true in many, many studies. Here's a cost a typical annual median medical charges for those that are healthy weight, $2,200 a year, versus those that are higher weight, $3,000 or more per year. It is presently, yeah, the same numbers show up today. It is presently against the law to fire someone if they're overweight. It is not against the law to hire someone only if they're normal weight. Okay? It's not against the law. Some companies have purposely advertised that. Okay? There's one hospital system who for 10 years encouraged their overweight folks to um, develop or enroll in various interventions to help them lose weight because they knew it was costing them too much money to maintain that overweight population. Okay? So they resisted and didn't go to interventions and still didn't lose weight. So they finally said, fine, if you're not going to lose weight, we're going to charge you more for your health care premium. And they were taken to court and won. 
So I firmly believe in the power of choice. But choice means there may be, depending on what choice you embark upon, there may be lower costs or higher costs. I firmly believe that people should be allowed to smoke cigarettes. But if they do, then their health care premium should be higher than mine because I choose not to smoke. And that is happening now with their auto industry. Do you know if you're a smoker, your automobile insurance will be higher than if you're a non-smoker. If you're an uh, alcohol drinker, it'll be higher than if you're a non-drinker. Perfectly legal and perfectly logical. I think our Medicare reimbursement should be the same way. If we choose to not exercise, we should have higher premiums than if we choose to exercise. If we choose to smoke or choose to allow our cholesterol levels to be too high or our blood sugar to be too high, our premiums should be higher because it's well documented. You can do lifestyle measures to lower or you can take pharmaceutical agents to lower those harmful agents. Yes. Sure, sure. And most of the insurance companies I've worked with, if you're a smoker, they will pay whatever it takes for you to stop smoking. They'll pay for the premiums. They'll pay for the um, um, nicotine patch or whatever it takes to see the doctor. Okay, yes. Yeah, underweight typically means there's some disease going on. Okay? That's typically what it means. Underweight. If there is no disease, then that doesn't have a higher cost. But underweight typically means there's a disease process going on. So another measurement is looking at your waist circumference, your waist girth, and that's simply measuring. Um, a firm tape measure about an inch above or at your umbilical cord or your, your, your um, umbilicus, uh, there the navel, and um, you can measure that. It's a real simple measurement. Although it takes some modesty screens to do and it takes some effort to do it privately, height and weight still may be the best, easiest to do. But in men, we want to be less than 35. Anything higher increases our risk. And uh, risk for what? Risk for cardiovascular disease. For women, it's less than 33. That's the target. So um, uh, less than 83 centimeters or 33. And for men, it's uh, 90 centimeters. So our trends in eating, you know this, this supersize, you know, drinks and supersize burgers and all this stuff? You know, I, I just want a drink of water. I don't need a supersize me, you know. Or if I'm traveling and, and need uh, some uh, agents to help me up, I want, a, I want a little can of coffee. I don't want a big jug of, of uh, Pepsi or Coca-Cola or something. You know, you might want to have that to help stay awake when you're traveling. But it's hard to find a normal size container of anything anymore. It's really difficult. 
Yes. 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 I remember having a patient um, come through our clinic, and she was drinking a, a, a jug of Pepsi, three of them a day. And she was feeding that to her children, too, because it helped calm them down. Until the caffeine kicked in, then it jazzed them up. So um, we eat, you know, we supersize stuff. We eat outside the home. We have a lot of snack calories. And there's no reason why we're overweight. I mean, I'd be surprised if we weren't an overweight as a country. We're also, um, as we um, uh, low intake of uh, fiber, we gain weight. Uh, um, Higher intake of fat, we gain weight. Um, low intake of the complex carbohydrates, we gain weight. Uh, higher intake of some of these uh, protein foods, we, we gain weight. And so it's no wonder. There's some practical steps to lose weight. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on weight, but set a goal, um, follow it weekly, be active. The most important thing about losing weight is to be active 60 minutes a day. You could just eat the way you're eating now and be active 60 minutes a day, and you'll lose one, two, or three pounds a week, and that's all it takes. But you've got to be persistent. It'd be even better if you ate a little bit less food, but if you at least doubled your exercise, you still lose weight. It is a simple physiological equation. Calorie in needs to be balanced with calorie out, and if you want to lose weight, you want to have more calorie out. So that means burn more calories. It's a simple equation. Um, so you can look at different exercises that you can um, burn calories. When you're sitting, we'll use that as a baseline. So if you climb hills, you're doing 10 times as much calorie burn. If you're walking, you're doing four times as much. If you're skipping rope, or running, you're doing 9 or 11 times as much. So you know, the more active you are, the more calories you burn. That's a good thing. But be careful. Sometimes the more calories you burn, it also stimulates your appetite. <laughs> OK? And so you want to be balanced in that principle as well. Um, the more fit people have lower relative risk of mortality. So eat well, choose healthy foods, choose lower calorie foods, choose uh, more, ref more unrefined foods. Why do you eat snack foods? Habit. Why do we need a snack anyways? You're not going to die. <laughs> you know, they're comfort foods usually. I got a guy in my office, a young kid, he's 27 or 8, and he was always snacking during the day. So he asked me some basic questions. And I answered his questions. And I said, why are you snacking? Well, he says, I'm hungry. I said, why are you hungry? Well, I don't know. I'm hungry. <laughs> well, when I'm hungry, if it's time to eat, I eat. When I'm hungry and it's not time to eat, I don't eat. Because I don't want to 
I don't want to mess up my appetite for when it's time to eat, you see. And so I've been working on him, and he's finally realized, at least I've got him doing healthy snacks now. Because he sits at the phone, and he gets nervous, and he just wants to keep eating something. Well, he's eating nuts and seeds now, and, and fruit. That's a good thing, I guess. But I'm trying to get him off the snacks. Okay. Watch your portion size. When you fill up a plate of food, make sure you can see the plate. If you can't look down and see the plate, there's too much food on the plate. Or if you've got to have that plate full, use a smaller plate. Okay? That's true. Very true. And why do you need second helpings? It's because you ate too fast. Well, slow down. Enjoy the meal. Okay? Or if you eat fast and the plate's finished, then that's it. No more. No seconds. You don't need seconds. You're not going to die. Okay? Limit snack foods. Plan your meals. The My Plate. Now, this is not in your uh, training manual. I forgot to put it in the training manual. I apologize for that. If you're upset at me, I'm sorry. Get over it. <laughs> it's, it's in the manual. It's in the instructor's manual. We've updated all of our materials with this new Choose My Plate campaign. It's a decent campaign. We didn't object to the Food Guide Pyramid. In fact, we liked the Harvard Food Guide Pyramid. You can still eat a good diet, but it was really complicated. This is a little bit more. It's simpler, I suppose, but it still emphasizes, in our opinion, too much on dairy, even though it puts it off on the side. You know, it's kind of over there, but still too much emphasis, I think. Uh, but you notice what I like. The vegetables is a big triangle, and the fruits, you know, they take up half. The grains is more than three quarters, and we got a little bit of protein. I mean, you walk around the restaurants today, and you'll see that protein piece will take up half or more. If you're in Texas, it takes up the whole plate. <laughs> oh, are you from Texas? I mean, it, I mean, when I was a meat eater, I'd eat a piece of steak, I'd have three peas, and I'd take two bites of my potato. And I thought I was eating healthy. All right? So you know what I mean. Um, and you know, I have these competitions on the television sometimes is if you can eat, no, uh, no, if you can, see, it's a, I think it's a 75-ounce steak. If you can eat the 75-ounce steak in one setting, then it's free, as long as you can do it in a certain number of minutes. I forget now what it is. 75 ounces. I mean, that's a big, that's a big piece of steak. There, there are some restaurants that advertise this, and people go in there and try and eat it, and, you know, oh, makes me sick. So limit all these guys on the left. You know, um, a lot of those are vegetarians, you know. Um, eat all this good stuff. Eat more of this on the right. But you don't have to eat more calories. Just because it's healthy doesn't mean you can eat more of it. There's some behavior change techniques you may want to em embrace, uh, a support system. Avoid the cues or triggers to eat. If you eat more when you're watching TV, don't watch TV while you're eating. You know, 
uh, keep records, a positive outlook, lifetime weight control. This idea of gaining 20 pounds and losing 10 and gaining 30 and losing 5 and gaining 40 and losing 20, that's really hard on your liver and your heart and your kidneys. Just get to, bear, get to be where you want to wait and um, stay there. And actually, as we get older, it's perfectly normal to gain five or six pounds. And it's perfectly fine when you're in your 60s and 70s to be 10 or 15 pounds overweight. But not 50 or 60 pounds overweight. Okay? All right, that's a quick run through of some of the weight principles. That's the old food pyramid. Still like it, nothing wrong with it. Okay, any questions on weight? There is no magic bullet on weight. You just got to exercise enough and eat less or enough to maintain your weight. Yes? Well, as we get older, we exercise less, and so our, our muscle is replaced by fat. So even if we, it just, our, our metabolism changes, so it's normal to do that as we get older. So, so we can slow that down by exercising. Yes? Sure, sure. Continue watching TV, but don't eat too much. <laughs> yeah, put the food on your plate. Make sure you can put the food on your plate. Make sure you can see the plates. Um, put everything away so you're not taking any seconds. If you've got a good frontal lobe that you can do that, nothing wrong with it. But if you're lonely and just eat and eat and eat and it takes you two hours to eat supper, that's a problem. Yeah. They don't make a plate. They browse. Yeah, that's true. A lot of people are grazers. Yes? While you're inactive and the muscle feeds you, if you start exercising vigorously, will you regain those? Yes, you'll gain, you'll gain most of those muscles back, but not all of them. You know, it's impossible for a 60-year-old to look like a 20-year-old, okay? Um, a few people will, will do that, like Jack LaLanne, you know, some others. Yeah, but they've kept it the whole time. But you can, you can, you can, gain, you can gain tremendous amounts of muscle back if you engage in physical activity again. You'll never be 20 years again, 20 years old. Neither do I want to be 20 years old again, okay? But I want to... I want to be an active and engaged middle-aged person throughout my whole life until all of a sudden I'm old. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> Look at that example there, okay? Okay, so we've done Wait, and how much time do I have? It's uh, 10.30. Good. We're going to zip through the health ministry cycle. Uh, number four. I don't think we've done this one. Okay. So let me give you some more ammunition to do health ministry.
And this is in section one. It's in Word document, uh, somewhere part of section one. Um, different versions of John 10.10. 10. I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. Health and healing. The Greek word for health is sozo. This word is translated many ways in the Bible. In Luke 13, 12, this woman was disabled, unable to stand upright for 18 years. Jesus said, woman, you are healed, using the word sozo. When healing the man with the withered hand, Jesus said, would you be made whole, using the word sozo. So healing, made whole, same thing. Referring to Jesus' name, it says, you shall call his name Jesus because he shall save. Again, using that same Greek word, I'm told. Save people from their sins. So the same Greek road, the same Greek word, sozo, is translated to heal, to make whole, to save. All are varying meanings of the same process. That process is restoring God's original purpose for us, bringing us abundant life, abundant health, abundant wholeness, and abundant salvation. The World Health Organization defines health to be more than merely the absence of disease. It is a physical, mental, social, and spiritual well-being. The Oxford Dictionary defines health as physical, mental, and spiritual soundness. What does the Bible teach? Jesus said you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So we got heart equal emotional, soul equal spiritual, mind equal mental, strength equal physical, neighbor equal social. This is actually what the creation concept is that Mark Finley has been sharing with us in each evening. You know, it's also looking at the environment and us being good citizens. Jesus grew in height and in wisdom, and he was loved by God and all who knew him. So that's the scriptural account of the development of Jesus. Loma Linda University, where I graduated, one of our premier medical institutions, to make man whole. So the Savior ministered to both the soul and the body. The gospel which he taught was a message of spiritual life and of physical restoration. Now God has two books we need to understand. He has the written word, which we call the Bible, and he has a great book of nature, which we call science. Study of physiology, anatomy, biochemistry. And through that study of science, we can reveal the principles of life. And as we learn that high cholesterol is harmful, then we want to lower cholesterol. If some of us cannot lower cholesterol through lifestyle modifications, then we're a good candidate to take some of the cholesterol-lowering medicines. If we can't lower blood pressure because of the physiology that we have and the genetics that we have, even though we're exercising enough and eating properly, then maybe we need to take some pharmaceutical agents to lower the blood pressure. 
It is our work to obtain a knowledge of these principles of anatomy and physiology and biochemistry, and by obedience to cooperate with him in restoring health to the body as well as to the soul. For optimum health, all dimensions need to be developed and working in harmony. There's a close connection between the mind and the body. I remember in graduate school, experimenting with biofeedback is one of our scientific studies that we had to do. And I remember hooking my th uh, finger, I think, up to a heart rate monitor. You just sit there, and it measures your heart rate. Put a blood pressure cuff on and measure your blood pressure, and you get a normal baseline. Then the instructor starts asking me some questions. And he asked me a, a question that was um, not too bad, and my blood pressure tweaked, and my heart rate just tweaked a little bit, nothing. But then he hit me from the blind side and asked me something that would typically really embarrass me. And my heart rate went up 15 points. You know? I, didn't, I wasn't running or jogging. It's just mind over over matter. Okay. And so the reverse of that is highly stressful people can be taught some of the biofeedback techniques to help lower their heart rate and lower their blood pressure. Psychoneuroimmunology, the study of how the mind affects immunity, is hugely popular. One of the most popular books by, was by Norman Coven, Cousins called The Laughter Prescription. One of my classmates worked with Norman Cousins. Um, and he pioneered some of the uh, powerful studies done on end endorphins and how they can affect um, pain and improve the immune system. Some of us, if we have some aches and pains, it's kind of usual and normal. If I was to tell you a happy, funny, non-guilty, guilt-free joke, we'd laugh so much. And I'd ask you a question about your pain. You would notice for a few minutes your pain is all gone. Partly because of that endorphin effect. I'm sorry, what was the name of it? Norman Cousins, The Laughter Prescription. It's an older book, and there's some updates to that, but any of his books would be good on the laughter prescription. Um, the endorphin effect is so powerful that when you exercise somewhere between 30 and 45 minutes continuously, your body produces endorphins. This is why some people continue exercising beyond that 30, 45 minutes, because they love that um, narcotic-like endorphin feeling. Okay. This endorphin effect is so prominent that even once you're used to exercising for months, if you were to stop exercising, just thinking about exercise would precipitate the endorphin effect. But lest you think you can think about exercise for very long, that quickly goes away if you don't continue to exercise. Now, there's also been some studies that singing some hymns may actually increase the endorphin effect. Smiling and laughing, smiling so hard that your cheeks ache and your belly shakes for 15 or 20 minutes may be enough to increase uh, significant levels of endorphin. 
and there may be, there hasn't been some studies, but it may be, has been suggested that prayer may be one way that when you feel comforted after a prayer, it might be that God is precipitating some endorphin effect. We don't know that for a fact. No one's willing to spend the money to actually find that out yet. But it has been supposition that that's true. So there's a mind-body relation that's very intimate. When we affect that, the other sympathizes. So the condition of the mind affects the health to a far greater degree than many of us realize. Um, a merry heart does good like medicine. We know that, but we often forget about the last half of that statement. But a broken spirit dries the bones. What has happened to you when your bones are dried? You're dead. So what is leading to drying the bones? David's talking about my spirit is broken. You're causing my bones to dry up. What does that mean? Causing me to die. His broken spirit, his depression, his guilt and depression is causing him to die. Okay? So we want to reverse that. We want to be happy. If you're guilty about something, go ask forgiveness. If someone asks you forgiveness, give it. Inter keeping that internal is causing you to what? Dry the bones. And what happens when your bones are dried? You're dead. So you don't want to be doing things that causing your bones to dry. Okay. Positive emotions promote health. The Good Health Practices Study, 6,900 people studied for nine years. People who answered the questionnaire how long they lived, how happy are you, turned out to be the second best predictor of how long people live. How happy are you? People who lack social ties, that is, they were not married or they had little contact with family or friends, they did not belong to or attend church regularly, or they were not a member of other social groups. Now, I'm not emphasizing being married. Okay, you know, some folks just don't want to. That's fine. This is one of four. Okay? Um, those who did not have social ties were more likely to die from heart disease, stroke, cancer, other diseases. They were more likely to die during the next nine-year follow-up than those with strong social ties. Strong social ties are defined as two or more of these. Okay? So again, social ties, people lacking these social networks were almost three times more likely to die in the, in the nine-year follow-up. Same in this study and this study. Oh, this one here was those who were unmarried or had no close confidant, this is an or, were over three times more likely to die in the next five years. They said those that had heart attacks or angiograms with blocked arteries. So if you're not married or if you are married, 
and don't have a good contact with that spouse, you want to get contact, you want to have a good relationship or a good friend. This is why this idea of visiting our shut-ins every Friday night and Sabbath afternoon is a really good idea. Dr. Berkman studied uh, those that had a heart attack and those with emotional support, those with little emotional support were three times more likely to die in the next six months. Survival after heart surgery. This is a study done at the University of Texas, not known to be one of the strong spiritual universities of the country. I don't, it's just, it's just a state university. Two questions before surgery. Do you participate regularly in a church or social group? Do you draw strength and comfort from your religion? Those with no participation in church or social groups, four times as many died. So science tells us it's a good idea to belong to a church. Okay? Uh, Dr. Herbert Benson and another, he's a cardiologist, another physician, I can't remember his name, has done a lot of uh, prayer and um, looking at, uh, Herbert Benson did it on meditation, another physician did it on um, Christian prayer, and they found the benefits over time. Uh, strongly improved heart attack survivor rates. Yes. Yes, yes. Really, really yep, yep. So that means creating healthy communities of family and friends, learning to communicate in ways that help enhance inf intimacy with loved ones, developing empathy. This is one of the most powerful reasons we, can, we should be doing health ministry, to be friends, to hold their hand, to give them figurative hugs or literal hugs if you're a hugger. You know, you got to touch someone to take their blood pressure. Okay? This is also why I like to show this slide. There are two, there were twins born, premature. They were in a neonatal intensive care unit and they were struggling. One was doing pretty good, the other was really struggling. And the nurse was really worried about this one neonate that was not, that was probably going to die. And so she broke protocol and she put the healthy twin next to the unhealthy one Put this healthy twin who is doing fine, this one was going to die, and put this healthy twin in the same bassinet as the unhealthy one. And this one just did that all by itself. 
and they both survived. Now, I don't know if, if this one would have died or not, but this one was in the process of dying. But even that, at that level, isn't that kind of interesting? Okay. Now, if you send me a, an email asking for that picture, I'll be happy to send it to you. And I'll send you the article that accompanies it in Newsweek magazine, I think it was. Okay. Um, let us take a 13-minute break. I am going to begin speaking at... Are, are we due to break at what time today? Oh, we have till 12.30. Oh, good. Okay, then we won't take a break yet. I'll do one at, um, at 11.15, so we have a break then. All right. I want to go through and share with you um, um, your health age. Now, um, we've got three uh, paper and or and computer assessments that we've priced very inexpensively for churches and community centers to use. The most popular one is your health age. The other two are your coronary risk and your stress profile. They are simple. Um, they're over under, pay, under section uh, four, I think. There'll be an example over there, I think under section four. Let me just check and see. Yes, under section four, just page through until you come to your health age and you get an example of what they are. Actually, the first page looks like. It's a simple 10-questionnaire um, assessment. Then you, you, you hand enter that data into the computer program. And then you put in this paper in your printer. And it prints out the results with some personal recommendations. Then on the back side is some health education. There's also a 45-minute PowerPoint presentation that we'll give you on a CD that you can then explain what does this mean, all right? I want to go through and do a health age for those of you who would volunteer to have your health age done. Okay, just a moment, let me bring it up. Um, hmm. I believe it is. I can't remember if anybody's used it on a Mac, but if you get the Windows emulator, it'll work on a Mac, I'm told. So it's a simple program that um, you enter your name. I'm just going to say female. Next, how old are you? We're doing this public, so you agree to share your personal health information, correct? Oh, um, uh, female, let's see. F. Uh, how often do you get aerobic exercise for at least 20 to 30 minutes? 
uh, so no regular exercise program? Well, that, that's aerobic still. Uh, once or twice a week? Okay. How often do you eat breakfast? More than coffee and a sweet roll. How often do you snack between meals? What is your current smoking status? How often do you get at least seven to eight hours of sleep daily? How many alcoholic beverages do you drink? We've, we, we've taken a lot of hit on this questionnaire because, because one equals never drink. And it's, you know, as evidenced by it's hard for all of us to say one. But one means never drink. You've got to read the question, as, as uh, Rose did. But still, <laughs> it reminds me of, of, uh, of what hits we've taken on it. Yeah. So five foot seven equals 67 inches, OK? We've got to put this in in inches. You don't put five, seven, which is 57. We've, a lot of people enter in five foot seven. They put in 57. You need to put in 67, right? Your current weight. OK, if we've answered all the questions, we click Compute. And now we could run this through a printer, and we would get uh, the answers. Or we could just, uh, let's see, it will give me a summary here. OK, it says your current age is 44. Is that right? Did we get that right? OK. Uh, your health age is 40.9. That means you're healthier than what your mama thinks you are. <laughs> um, if you were to follow all of the good health practices, you could be 39.2. So you could add 1.7 years to your life expectancy if you were following all seven. And you weren't getting quite enough exercise was, was uh, principle one, as I, as I recall. OK, um, so it's get regular aerobic exercise. So do you have to move up the level Yes. And then give them the yes, that's exactly what we do. Well, we, we've done it two ways. You have them fill, fill it out and then run it later and give it back in a seminar. Or you have them fill out a health fair, give them the results back. At the same time, you invite them to a seminar. They can choose to come back. It doesn't matter. This is our most popular health fair uh, computerized health assessment. It's uh, reasonably inexpensive. I think it's $220 or $225, something like that. It's bulletproof. I never have any problems with it except for individuals calling me because they don't know how to use a computer. You've got to load it in. You've got to tell the computer what to do. And you've got to push that button. Uh, sometimes. The printer doesn't work anymore. Well, because they bought a new printer, and they haven't matched it to their computer. 
and there's an administrative function. You can go in there and you can match it to your computer. You've got to choose a printer. But some folks just don't know how to do that. So the greatest problem is teaching people how to use computers, not teaching them how to use the program. It is that bulletproof. And the lines can be long and slow. You have to work out all the bugs ahead of Yeah, work it out. Figure out how to do it. Uh, I get, we, get, we get three or four calls a year. I'm at the health fair. I can't work this. Your program's terrible. Well, did you, you, did, you, did you do this? Oh, I didn't know I had to push that button. They never say, I'm sorry. They just say, at least they say, thank you. Yes? You'll get that sheet printed out in your paper. You get this sheet that you print out with the data filled in there. Then you can use that as a teaching opportunity to share with the population. And also with the program, you get a, a CD with um, a number of PowerPoints that you can share the information. And you can talk about uh, this Bellock and Breslow study. This Bellock and Breslow study looked at seven risk factors, seven risk factors. And then you can, we have a PowerPoint presentation where you talk about those. And we give you the PowerPoints and we give you instructor's notes. Um, you can do all that at a health fair. But typically, you'd want to do the, enter the data in the questionnaire at the health fair, hand them the results back, then invite them to a seminar. Because a seminar is going to take you an hour to prepare. Health age in uh, we do have the health age in Spanish, yes. Okay, we have all three of them in Spanish. Health age, coronary risk, and um, stress profile are all in Spanish. There is a manual that we provide you. No, you, you cannot do it by hand because you need the calculation that the computer provides. Okay. Any questions on that? It's a, it's a really good intervention tool to use to engage um, someone. When, when they come into you and their, their mama says they're 45, but the computer says they're 55, that's a teachable moment. And the computer could, it, it can swing 17 years below your age or above, 17 year range, based on those seven risk factors. Okay? Uh, anybody? Let, let me put one in here. No one would volunteer to do this with all the bad stuff. So I'm going to put in a bad one. I don't want to embarrass anybody. So I'm going to put in my dad. OK. Uh, let's say when he was 60. OK, when he was 60, he had no exercise program. Um, he uh, never ate breakfast. He snacked between meals all day. Um, he currently smoked all day. Um, he got lots of sleep. Um, he drank, oh, probably 8 to 14 per week. Um, how tall was he? He was 72 inches. 
and his current weight was uh, 250 pounds. And okay, he was 60. We said he was 60. And his health age is 63.2. He could actually be 55, so he could add 8.2 years if he followed all seven. So it's a teachable moment. Wow. I don't want to be 63. I'm only 60, you see. So let's do one more. Anybody else want to volunteer? You want to volunteer? Okay. Oh, wait. Um, I didn't do. Yeah, I just put down. How old are you? And the gender is female. How often do you get aerobic exercise? How often do you eat breakfast? Snack? Three? No smoking? Sleep? So four? Alcohol? Never. How tall are you? Huh? Uh, 52 inches. Your current weight? 210. Okay, compute. So your current age is 51. Your health age is 51.3. Uh, you could be 46.2 if you add these, fix all these seven risk factors. No one likes to be older than they really are. Okay, so that's just a nice um, computerized assessment that we can use for health fairs. Um, we have um, some universities purchase three and 4,000 of these to use for their uh, student health fair and community health fair uh, in their community. Okay, it's 11 o'clock. Let's take a 15-minute break. This media was produced by Audioverse for the NAD Health Summit. If you would like to learn more about the NAD Health Summit, please visit www.nadhealthsummit.com or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.